0: Hey, Gospelizers, this is Jason Lamb with Dare to Share Ministries. Welcome to another episode of Gospelize with Greg Steer, Youth Ministry with a Kick. Just want to make sure and remind everybody, be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening or watching. Uh, Make sure you do that. It helps us get the word out about this amazing youth ministry resource. We also want this experience to be interactive for you. So make sure you're emailing us, podcast at daretoshare.org. Send in your thoughts, feedback, comments, questions. We'll follow up and address and answer any questions you may have, and Greg may feature one of those questions or some of those questions in an upcoming podcast episode, so make sure you email us, podcast at dare In today's episode, Greg is bringing us the three R's of making disciples. Here's Greg.
1: Welcome to the Gospel Eyes Podcast. My name is Greg Steer. We're going to be talking to you today about the three R's of disciple-making. But I'm going to start with the true confession. I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan, all right? Now, the reason I am is because he's Bruce Lee! But other than that, 1973 came out with Enter the Dragon, the same year he died, by the way. He had actually died before the movie was released. But that movie popularized martial arts all over the world. Awesome movie. Um, Countless teenagers, including me, took Kung Fu and Karate and all this other stuff because we were inspired by Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee was famous for one weapon, especially the nunchuck, right? And I got inspired too as a teenager. Uh, And so me and, you know, again, about every teenage boy I knew had either nunchucks we bought at the mall, or kind of homemade, but we had them and we learned to use them, and I used to practice, I got quite quite good, I don't have a lot of room in here, but I can still work them a bit, and I'll just stop there so I don't break the TV or anything, right? But I used to get, I used to be pretty good at it, and I could work them, and uh, there was a point where I could take them and kind of chuck them in the air, and about 50% of the time, while they were spinning, I could catch them and keep moving. That's a move not even Bruce Lee got down, right? So it was kind of cool when I could do it. And when I didn't hit it, it didn't look cool at all. But I started dating a girl named Debbie, who's now my wife. And I, I could have been our first date. I was dropping her off. And I had my nunchucks under my car seat. I'm like, oh, I got my nunchucks. And she's like, oh, nunchucks, what are they? I go, well, it's a weapon I learned to use. And... She goes, oh, yeah, like Bruce Lee. I go, yeah, I can work them a little bit. She goes, let's see, which is exactly what I was hoping she would say. So I started working them. and it was dark. The moon was out, and i got to be honest with you. I'm sure I looked nothing like Bruce Lee, but it was still kind of a cool moment. And I thought, you know what? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the spin. So I took the nunchucks, and I spun them. Normally, they just go up a few feet, and then, again, 50% of the time, I'd catch them. They went up 10, 15 feet. I mean... Literally, against the backdrop of the moon, it, it looked like they were still for a moment, like helicopter blades. It was a thing of beauty. And I knew, I was just feeling it. You know when you're like, feeling it, I'm feeling it. And I went down to grab him, and I felt it, because the nunchuck, at full speed, hit that bone right there. And I dropped to the ground in a pile of heaping, humiliated mess trying to capture my breath and almost throwing up at the same time. And I believe I was weeping. I was weeping, not crying, weeping. And I don't know how she said yes to finally marrying me because that was like the first date, sad. I am not Bruce Lee, right? I'll just say that. So i want to put these down before somebody gets hurt, especially if that somebody is me. I am not Bruce Lee, but I am a fan of Bruce Lee. I did a lot of study on Bruce Lee. A lot of people don't know Bruce Lee before Enter the Dragon, before he was even a full-grown man, when he was a child, he was a famous child actor throughout Hong Kong. Everybody knew, millions of people knew who Bruce Lee was. And oftentimes, even as a child actor, he'd play like the leader of a gang because he was so, you know, he's so um, just out there, a great actor and... And so everybody challenged him off screen. They challenged him to fight. Now, even though he didn't know karate or kung fu at the time, he knew how to fight. And so he'd win most of his fights. Well, one time when he was about 12 or 13 years old, he lost a fight by somebody who knew kung fu. And it made him mad. So he went uh, to a grandmaster teacher who taught a thing called Wing Chun. Not to be confused with Wang Chung. Well, that's tonight. Today... Wing Chun, all right? Sorry, for those of you in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Wing Chun. Uh, the Ip Man, maybe you've seen that series of movies, Ip Man 1, Ip Man 2, Ip Man 3. It, Ip Man, or also known as Yip Man, so he had to learn how to fight. If your nickname is Yip Man, you better learn how to fight, because I'm Yip Man. And uh, he do it. He did know how to fight, and uh, Bruce, he, Bruce Lee went to him and said, Will you train me? And at first, he didn't know if he was serious, because here's this famous childhood actor. Finally, man, Bruce Lee is relentless, and he says, yes. so he begins to train him in Wing Chun, and Bruce Lee accelerates faster than anybody in his class. Matter of fact, other students began to fight him, and he began to defeat them. He would always be practicing. One of the things about Bruce Lee, whether it was acting or whether it was Kung Fu, he took it very seriously. He was obsessed. He got in top physical condition, and uh, he learned how to fight, and he brought that eventually To the Western world, but he was discipled by Ip Man. We're going to talk about discipleship, and we're going to use that as an analogy. Obviously, we're not talking about Ip Man and Bruce Lee. We're talking about Jesus and us and our students because we are called to make disciples. Just like Ip Man made a disciple of Bruce Lee, Jesus makes a disciple of us. We make a disciple of others, and the classic passage for this is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. On top of a mountain in Galilee, overlooking uh, the Sea of Galilee, Jesus tells his disciples this classic passage that all of us, I'm sure, know. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The driving command in this passage, the one imperative, is make disciples. Now, that means we boldly and lovingly share the good news of Jesus with others. And when they say yes to Jesus, we help them grow in Christ and equip them to make other disciples. We make disciples who make disciples. So in this passage, Jesus gives us three reminders uh, to help us make disciples. The three R's of disciple making. R number one. We have the right to make disciples. Verse 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. The first thing that Jesus tells his disciples is, listen, I'm the King of kings, I'm the Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. You have an all-access pass, all-access pass to make disciples. Now, what is an all-access pass? Well, this this is an all-access pass. I got this. I carry this with me. Right now, I'm on tour with my buddy Zane Black and Winter Jam, and we're going from city to city to city, arena to arena to arena, uh, and all of us who are part of the show, I think there's like 150 of us, um, have to have an all-access pass, right? There's 10 different bands. There's all sorts of you know people setting stuff up, uh, sound, tech. We all need an all-access all access pass. And when we go into the venue, first thing, off the buses in the morning, we make sure we have this on. Because if, if we don't have it on, we don't get in. But if we have this on, and a security guard tries to stop us, we show them the pass. And if they still try to stop us, we remind them that the owners of Winter Jam, right, have given us full authority an all-access pass to go anywhere in this arena, anytime, anywhere, for any reason, because we have an all-access pass, right? So in the same way, you and I, we have an all-access pass that was given to us by the owner of this universe. And that all-access pass is to make disciples, to go and make disciples. Now, I just want to share this. This is increasingly tough in this culture because you'll tell your students, hey, go and make disciples. Jesus called us to go and make disciples. You're fully authorized to make disciples. There's an article that just came out from Barna, that's entitled this. Almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. Millennial Christians, listen to this from the report. Many millennials are unsure about the actual practice of evangelism. Almost half of millennials, 47%, agree at least somewhat that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will uh, one day share their same faith. In other words, they believe it's wrong to try to convert somebody to believe in Jesus Christ. 47% of millennial Christians, 20 and 30 something year old Christians, believe it's wrong to share your faith, to get them to believe in that message. This is compared to a little more than one quarter of Gen X, 27%, one in five boomers, 19%, and elders, 20%. Though Gen Z teens, the current generation of teenagers, were not included in the study, their thoroughly post-Christian posture will likely amplify their stance toward evangelism. In other words, those stats are going to get worse, according to Barna. They, They believe it's going to get worse. So think about that for a moment. If almost half of millennial... Christian young men and young women believe it's wrong to try to convert somebody to the Christian faith, what do we need to do? We need to make a case for evangelism. We need to motivate and inspire this next generation with the urgency and the importance of evangelism. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm talking about how do we help teenagers and and 20-somethings lovingly, explain the good news of Christ, and on their own will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their savior. We need to make a case for that. We need to appeal to every theological truth we can to convince them of the importance of making disciples. We gotta talk about the reality of heaven. We gotta talk about the reality of hell. We gotta talk about the urgency uh, of the call of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, the love of God for the world, a broken heart of compassion for those who don't know the gospel. Uh, We need to take them back to Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth. Uh, I, I'm t- giving you this command to make disciples. All authority is given to Jesus. Now, back to Bruce Lee, because we always want to go back to Jesus, number one. But this is number two, Bruce Lee. Right? Bruce Lee, he opened up a martial arts studio. He came from Hong Kong. He actually eventually uh, kind of got kicked out of his dojo because the other students didn't like him. Eventually, he came to America. He opened up his own martial arts studio in Oakland, California. Here's the deal. It was open to all Westerners. So he was teaching martial arts, the secret art of Chinese martial arts, to Westerners, which in that culture, the Chinese culture, was a no-no. So the grandmasters and all the, the, the heads of state in the Chinese community in Chinatown in San Francisco sent down somebody um, to kind of see what was going on. His name was Wong Jack Mann. Wong Jackman. You can't make this stuff up, right? Um, because Bruce Lee dared to open his studio to Westerners, Wong Jackman challenged him to a fight. And here was a fight. This was a fight for the right to teach Westerners or not. If Bruce Lee lost, he did not have the right to teach Westerners. If he won, he won the right. He won the fight with Wong Jackman. He won the right to teach martial arts to Westerners. In the same way, Jesus won the right for us and our teenagers to make disciples. He fought sin, death, and the devil on the cross and came out victorious. You know, we've all heard the statement, you've got to earn the right to be heard. And when people say that, uh, when it comes to evangelism, I know exactly what they're talking about. We need to live such compelling, loving lives that when we open up our mouths to share the gospel, people are open to it because we're not jerks, we're kind, we're loving, we're humble right? And I understand that side of that. So that side of that is true. But there's another side of that. On one side we have to earn the right to be heard. On the other side, side Christ has already earned the right for us to be heard when he was crucified. I mean with every blow to his face by the Roman soldiers fists, he won the right for us to be heard. With every lash to the back by these Roman soldier whips, he earned the right for us to be heard. With the jamming of the crown into his skull, with the beating of his face until he did not even look human, with the nailing of his, of his wrists and his feet into the cross, um, with hanging on the cross for six hours, he was earning the right to be heard. With his, his horrible crucifixion, his glorious resurrection, his powerful ascension, his glorious coronation as King of kings and Lord of lords, he earned the right for us and our students to be heard. You're teenagers and you, you've been given the right to make disciples by Jesus Christ himself who earned the right for you to be heard. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Now go and make disciples. We have the right to make disciples. We need to help our students understand they have the right to make disciples. Secondly, we have the responsibility to make disciples. Matthew 28:19. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, this passage in particular has been nicknamed the Great Commission, right? The term is probably three, 400 years old. Uh, I'm sure when it was developed, it was a cool statement. The Great Commission, join us on the Great Commission. Sounds like an old kind of rally call. But it's kind of lost its luster today to the average teenager or adult, for that matter. The Great Commission it may sound like a bunch of money you made on a real estate deal. That was a Great Commission we made, you know. So we've, at Dare to Share, we've changed the name of the Great Commission because it's not actually in Scripture. So we said, let's put a new label on it. Because teenagers today don't even know what the Great Commission means. What, if, what are teenagers in today? They're into causes. So we nicknamed this passage, not the Great Commission. We nickname it the cause. Why? Because teenagers are into causes, and this is the ultimate cause—the cause of Christ Himself. What if we rebranded the Great Commission as the cause with our teenagers? What if we help them to see every other good cause as a subset to this greatest cause? Okay, I'm not talking about getting rid of these other causes. I'm saying make them a subset of the great, the greatest cause of all—the cause to make disciples. So we can tell our teenagers, listen, we're going to provide uh, water. For the thirsty, uh, but we're also going to provide them living water. We're going to provide the hungry both bread and the bread of life. We're going to build the homeless a home here on earth and one in heaven. We're going to stop human trafficking, but we're also going to stop soul trafficking. Because if you think of Satan as the ultimate soul trafficker, you can all of a sudden see kind of a conversion of these causes into the greatest cause of all to make and multiply disciples. I think we need to get rid of the either or mentality with this culture and go to the both and. So let's call the Great Commission the cause and let's call our students to join that cause. And we know that the initial part of joining that cause, that the first part is, is making disciples. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you a kind of a four step, really quick breakdown of what it means to make disciples. Make them, mark them, mature them, and multiply them. We're gonna start with make them. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What's the first step of that? Evangelism, gospelizing them, right? Uh, I remember taking Kung Fu when I was a teenager because I was walking down the Westminster Mall and there were young men and young women in karate gis uh, with clipboards Inviting us to join and get a free class and use their gym and all that stuff. If we would just take Tai Kung Fu, and I I signed up. I said yes, uh, and that was my first encounter into that Kung Fu world. Was signing on the bottom line, and in the same way, we're invited to sign on the bottom line through faith. We're invited to put our faith in Christ. And maybe you're watching this podcast and you you don't know where you stand with God. Let me just tell you. Here's how you sign on the bottom line recognize God loves you. He created you to be in a relationship with Him. But our sin, they separate us from God. And those sins could never be removed by good deeds. So 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son to die on the cross. He paid the price for our sin. And He rose again. And everyone who trusts in Him alone is eternal life. And that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. If you've never put your faith in Christ, do it right now. And as soon as you trust in Him, it's like signing on the bottom of that clipboard, right? You're in right? You're in, you're a believer in Christ. Uh, You come in as a believer in Christ, but being a believer, uh, I think there's a next step of discipleship. Even in Kung Fu, they recognize this, right? There's somebody who signed on the bottom line, they're a student, but not yet a disciple. I actually found an article written by Kung Fu dudes called Kung Fu Discipleship. These are not Christians, but they're talking about their way of discipleship, And it's interesting, they write, there's a difference between student versus disciple. Student is in the process of learning skills and focusing on art, which later may become a disciple. However, a disciple is beyond a student, which means it's all about representing and defending the honor of his master's name, master's school, master's art, master's family, master's reflection himself. Matter of fact, they have a thing called the master's reflection. And that are you living out the master's reflection? It's not to be taken lightly because everything about the master is in the reflection of his disciple. It's no longer about herself or himself. It's all about the whole as one. Whatever a disciple does is a reflection on the master. So we make disciples, right? We get them the sign on the bottom line, come in as students, believers, right? But then we turn them by God's grace into disciples. We help them become followers of Christ that reflect the master himself. Make them. Secondly, we mark them. Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Now, I'm not going to get into modes of baptism. Some of you guys dunk. Some of you sprinkle. Some of you send them down a slip and slide. Whatever you do in your church to baptize, I'm not going to get into that. I'm saying we need to baptize them. Because there needs to be a formal ceremony of induction. Just like in Kung Fu, there's a thing called the Bai Sai Ceremony. And that's in the olden days, they don't do this as much anymore. But when you wanted to be a disciple of a master, you would literally pour him tea and present it to him. And if he took that tea and drank it, that was his way of saying, you can be my disciple, right? I'm recognizing you publicly in front of everyone as my disciple. For us as believers, it's baptism. And that baptism is an important part to mark that person as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, in a public way, baptism doesn't save you. It's the outward sign of an inward transformation. Baptism, by the way, uh, in the first century in the early church was never hidden away in a church building, because there were no no church buildings. It was very public. Uh, if you were in Jerusalem, there were there was a mitvah on the uh, the eastern or uh, the south southern steps. Of I've been there, which are Jewish baptismals, where many of the believers that put their faith in Christ in Acts two probably got back baptized in those mitzvahs in front of people, their peers, going to and from the temple, so it was a public thing, or in in the uh, Jordan River, or it was it was where people were at. You were publicly uh, baptized. I remember with my daughter, uh, my daughter, we baptized her uh, on a cruise ship. It was my 25 year wedding anniversary. Uh, we went to Alaska and my daughter had not yet been baptized i'm like let's 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 go new testament so we went in the swim pool on the deck in front of a bar where people were drinking and and i made an announcement hey everybody this is my daughter kaylee my name is greg steer i am an ordained pastor not that that matters you can baptize even if you're not according to uh, anyway i'm not going to get into that either but so i said i'm going to baptize my daughter baptism does not save you but it's a public sign i gave the gospel i said if any of you want to get baptized after i baptize my daughter come on in The water's fine. And I baptized her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And two of the friends that she had made, uh, Sierra and Mandy, were there. They heard the gospel. They heard Kaylee testify that she was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't put their faith in Christ yet, but Sierra and and Mandy are people we still pray for, too, that we still pray for, to come to Christ. They heard the gospel because of that public opportunity. By the way, this is total, by the way, I think there's a huge youth ministry opportunity, having a baptism party. I had this thought, man, if I would get back as a pastor or a youth leader, I would definitely do this. What if, what if instead of just doing it inside the church and just having friends and family there, what if you made a hundred flyers? Please come to my baptism party. It's going to be on this date at this place. I would count it an honor if you came as my guest to see me get baptized. So they invite all their friends, neighbors, family out to a baptism party, classmates, teammates. And there in the water, they give their testimony, how they put their faith in Christ. They're baptized. You give the gospel. There's an opportunity for people to come to Christ. I think it's a huge opportunity to kind of have the best of the early church and the best of what usually goes on today. Total side note, but let's, let's get it going. Baptism party is rock. All right. Make them, mark them, then mature them. Back to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Now, did you catch the words I skipped? Because most Christians don't. I said, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Because that's the Western mentality. We think discipleship is teaching them. That's not what Jesus said. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it's not just the deliverance of theology. It's the activation of theology. So we must, teach, we must teach students to obey. As James 1, 22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And again, this is why at Dare to Share, we have students put into practice what they learn right away. So when we are doing Dare to Share conferences, we take three hours out in the afternoon after we train students to share their faith. We have them go out to share the gospel and collect food. We do Dare to Share live, live simulcast to cities across the nation. Um, 2 hours going out collecting canned food and sharing the gospel also using their technology their social media to put that into practice teaching them to obey everything uh, I've commanded why because we want to have the master's reflection right we want to reflect him in everything that we do second corinthians 3:18 so all of us who've had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who's the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. Jesus activated His theology, and we need to help our students activate their theology, and in the process, they're going to mature spiritually. We make disciples, we mark disciples, we mature disciples, and finally, we multiply disciples. See, Jesus told his disciples to teach, uh, to teach those new believers, those new disciples, to obey everything he had taught them, including the command to make disciples. So we are to make disciples who make disciples. That's when we move from addition to multiplication. You want to multiply disciples? Then you, you have to teach disciples to make disciples. The power of addition is great. But the power of multiplication is off the charts. You know, we do a full week training called Lead the Cause at Dare to Share. It's kind of our Navy SEALs boot camp for student leaders and youth leaders. And on the opening night, we ask the question, how long would it take to win the world for Christ? And we give two scenarios. Scenario number one, you have 10 evangelists who lead 1,000 people to Christ every single day, right? So 10 evangelists leading 1,000 people to Christ every single day. On the other side, you have 10 disciples who replicate themselves each year. So the first year, there's 10 disciples who make 10 other disciples. And then those those 20 disciples make 20, and it begins to kind of multiply out. Addition versus multiplication. With the 10 evangelists winning 1,000 people a day, it would take 1,753 years to reach the world for Christ if nobody else was born. So that's a long time, right? Multiplication, 10 disciples replicating themselves. By year 30, 10,737,418,240 disciples. That's more people than are on planet Earth right now. So multiplication is better than addition. So we need to make disciples, we need to mark disciples, we need to mature disciples, and we need to multiply disciples. And again, back to Bruce Lee. Just like Bruce Lee... And his life and his death multiplied disciples of the martial arts. Let our lives multiply these disciples through our teenagers and in our youth ministry. The three R's of disciple making. We have the right to make disciples. We have the responsibility to make disciples. And finally, we have the reason to make disciples. Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Jesus said, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus goes with us. When we help our teenagers to realize Jesus is with them in the school cafeteria, on the basketball court, on the volleyball court, in the locker room, at home in their rooms, when they're with their friends in the car, when they're out watching a movie, when they're at home at night, when they recognize the presence of Jesus in their lives, then they can introduce their best friend, Jesus, to their other friends. The presence of Christ. Let's help our teenagers know we have the reason to make disciples. And that is, not only does Jesus go with us, but Jesus lives in us. I remember when I was a teenager, and I I went to a Christian school, so I'd go to local shopping malls to share my faith. And I remember going up to two high school teenagers, and I began to share Christ with them. And they were bigger than me, and they were kind of making fun of me. And my cousin Eric was there. My cousin Eric is a believer at the time, barely believer, but a believer, but he was a bodybuilder. And he, you know, he was jacked Had one of those, you know, 80s kind of shaved sides, mullets in the back, earring on the side, and just a huge bodybuilder. He's leaning up against the wall and he's listening to these two high schoolers make fun of his little cousin, me. And Eric, I mean, he's a big dude. He's five foot eight by five foot eight. When he walks, his thighs apologize to each other. He says, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. He can bench press 550 pounds. He's a big dude. So he pushes off the wall, starts walking over. Pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. And he looks at these guys. He goes, hey, this is my little cousin, Greg. If you don't listen to what he's got to say about going to heaven when you die, you're going to die. And they were like, We believe. I mean, instant conversion, right, on the spot. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. I'm going to take Eric with me everywhere I go. If somebody doesn't put their faith in Christ, I'll say, I'll say, Eric, beat the sin out of them for the glory of God, right? And then I realized that the maker of heaven and Eric and earth goes with me everywhere I go. And I was filled with divine confidence. I didn't need the bouncer there with me. Because I had the king of the universe there with me to empower me. You do too. And so do your teens. Listen, let's get about making disciples. Whatever this culture says about it, you have the right to make disciples. It's not optional. It's not the good suggestion. It's the great commission. You have the responsibility to make disciples. This cause, the ultimate cause, the cause of Christ. And you have the reason to make disciples. And so do your students. Jesus goes with us. Let me pray. Father, I pray right now for every youth leader listening to this. Give them divine, a divine all-access pass. We actually know, Lord, they already have it because Jesus gave it to us already when he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. May they be unashamed of the gospel and may they infuse divine confidence, not arrogance, but confidence into their students to make disciples of their friends. And may we make disciples who make disciples and tell every teen everywhere here's the gospel from a friend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to flip it to Carrie and Jason to talk to you a little bit about how can you take these truths that we've learned today and infuse them in very practical ways into your youth ministry culture. Thanks for tuning in.
2: Hi, my name is Carrie, and this is
0: Jason.
2: Yeah, and together we have 35 <laughs> years of blood, sweat, joy, and caffeinated experience, right?
0: Twice yeah. as much caffeine as love, sweat, and joy. Yes. But yes. Absolutely. Yes. And, and a lot of youth ministry experience. Yes. Good absolutely. times. Absolutely.
2: So fun. And it was so fun to watch um, Greg today and just see his heart about discipleship mm. and evangelism. And I know for me, it was just such a great reminder today's episode about this idea of discipleship—not just making disciples, but making disciples who make disciples. Just such a key disciples. part of what Jesus That's was right. trying to to teach us there. And I think you know that that difference between addition and multiplication is just so cool. This so is different than yeah, this, absolutely. and this gotta, is yeah multiplication. Yes. Yeah, it's good. And uh, I think it really was summed up so well in his. You know message about the four m's the make mark mature and multiply that was really good yeah it was really tongue twister like, of alliteration hear all that yeah yeah <laughs> like, no that's whoa. good yeah i
0: same thing make mark uh, mature and multiply and for me within that uh the the thing that was just a a great takeaway for me was Greg talked about this idea of baptism parties
2: yeah so cool
0: like they have made a decision to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ they have eternal life they're gonna be with the Father Son Holy Spirit and all of us as believers in heaven forever like that is worth celebrating like let's be excited like Welcome to the (laughs) baptism service today. No, like, this should be a party, right? (laughs) And so I remember uh, I was serving at the church in Tennessee, uh, and we would, uh, when a student would put their faith and trust in Christ, right? So make a disciple, right? They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, The next week, we would get white helium balloons and hang them on the stage. And so some weeks there'd be one balloon, sometimes none. I mean, we'd see three or four balloons, but it was a way to celebrate that they made that decision. And then on baptism Sundays, we would do the same thing with blue balloons. And so if we had six, eight, 10 kids getting baptized or people in the church, we would do that many balloons. And it was just a fun way and a simple way to celebrate it. I loved on those Sundays, getting up early and having to swing by the grocery store to get the helium. Inflated balloons because that meant we were celebrating something and then while i was there hit the bakery to get a cake we always put people's names on the cake for their birthday we did it for baptisms if we had a kid or kids getting baptized we would do the cake and punch and their name on the cake and make a big to-do and pictures with them and their family with the cake and just make a party out of it like this is a big deal
2: yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, it broke my heart with the way our church used to do it, too. And so we started actually using cake as well. I don't think we thought of putting their names on it. That's brilliant. Love that. Some of us uh, do it better yeah, than others, Yeah, Carrie. well, you know, that's just how it goes. <laughs> but we did have T-shirts. But you, well, okay,
0: we did, so you went we up to me did there.
2: Have these T-shirts. It said... The living water's great, I dove in. I dove in. And we gave that out to our students when they got baptized and everybody so cool. part of the youth group would sign the shirt and just oh. way for us to, you know, kind of celebrate that they're part of our team and everything and just a part of the family in Christ. And it was just That's really a it. wonderful thing. And and mm. yet when I heard Greg share this idea, I was reminded of how great a fellowship time we had. And yet we really kind of missed I think the gold in that idea was sending out these invitations. You know, it's uh, like, Greg did mention you know, that, Sure, yeah. we invited grandma and grandpa, but what a cool idea to invite not only this person who's getting baptized to invite all of their friends and family, but also the youth group, the church. I mean, mm. what a cool way to bring in some guests to hear the yeah. good news of Jesus through this powerful yes. testimony. I mean, it's just so cool. You know, I know um, we both got in the youth ministry to see kids. Come into a relationship yes. with Jesus. And also to have them. Heaven, yes. Yeah. Yes. Heaven, yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you can use that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was so great. And then also to help teens to learn how to share their faith. Yes. You know, it's just such a passionate part to me. It's just so integral to what we do as youth yeah. leaders. Well, yet.
0: that completes the Make Mark Mature Multiplies that, yes, Absolutely. celebrate. Yeah. So big tip of the day, celebrate the baptisms, have the Absolutely. party, right? But then we want to see these kids go out and share their faith. And I think that's what was so disturbing, honestly, for several of us here at Dare to Share and probably in the youth ministry world. Oh Barna's just recently re- released an article, uh, almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism mm. is wrong. Uh, if you haven't seen this That's article, the, the link in the URL is in the description for the podcast. But uh, just as a resource, if you're in youth ministry or in ministry at all, or parent of teens, um, take some time to read this article. There's some really great research and data behind it. And what's interesting, I think what I find most interesting about the article is that the vast majority of millennials, as, as Barna outlines them, uh, the vast majority, like 80% feel like they're equipped or know enough to share their faith.
2: That was crazy. But 47%
0: yeah. think it's wrong to do it. And so... Yeah.
2: Some of them even said, I think 73% said they're gifted at they're it. They're
0: gifted at it, right. Like, so
2: They think it's wrong. It yeah, was the vast so majority strange. are yeah. equipped
0: or they're even gifted, but they think it's wrong to do. And so, man, the urgency we need to have mm-hmm. as youth pastors, as youth leaders, uh, leaders in the church uh, of, of of this whole... like. Correct, We have the right and the responsibility and the reason and and we need to help our students get that and i think as we celebrate the discipleship process celebrate baptism send them out it'll start picking up some tractions but we've got to do something yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, a great resource for you guys. Uh, an additional resource, uh, Lead the Cause. Uh, it's a it's a week-long, summer-intensive, catalytic mobilization event that, that we do here at Dare to Share. Students are trained and equipped and then sent out each day with what they've been trained and equipped. And so within the context of that week, uh, they're seeing the disciple-making process play out on their own life. They're sharing the gospel as so they good. go. So they're seeing it within that week, seeing every aspect of it. Uh, it's a Great, great way for, for you as a youth leader to, to lead your students uh, into in understanding how the disciple making process, making disciples who make disciples, truly plays out. And so I would encourage all of you check out uh, leadthecause.org. Again, link is in the description below, but uh, just some resources we want to continue to fuel you guys and specific today's topic from Greg's sermon of this idea of making disciples. And so with that, I want to thank you guys for tuning in with us today. Make sure you like comment subscribe whatever platform you're on make us famous we appreciate it Uh, but on behalf of greg and the whole dare to share team we really appreciate you spending the last half hour
2: with us god bless guys